Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor Francisco, and I'm your host. The Tiny Moments Podcast is all about appreciating those tiny moments in life because one day you're going to look back and realize they were actually the big moments. Expect a lot of conversations about life, self-love, growth, and sometimes TMI. I hope that if you're listening, you take something away from this episode or you feel inspired or maybe you just feel a little bit happier than you did earlier. Thank you so much for being here with me and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm your host. Today's episode is exciting for two reasons. One, because we have an amazing guest on the show and two, we are going to be discussing all of the drama going on in Winnipeg in the beauty community, specifically sugaring and brow businesses. So I am super excited about today's guest. I went to see Sam from Lemon Sugar Bar a few weeks ago and have not stopped talking about her since. She reached out to me on Instagram and asked if I'd be interested in collaborating with her through social media, and I'm so glad she did because I'm literally obsessed with her services. Sam is the owner of Lemon Sugar Bar, a sugaring bar that opened up during the pandemic. She is phenomenal at what she does because getting a Brazilian sugar literally did not hurt, which is unheard of. She's also super friendly, sweet, she's engaged, and she is a mommy to her two beautiful kids. She's also a listener of the Tiny Moments podcast, which is probably the coolest thing ever. So Sam, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me, Taylor. Um, So yeah, I am a soon-to-be 31-year-old mom of two incredible children, uh, Avery, who's about to be seven, and Miles, who is just 14 months. Um, I have a forever fiancé, I call him, uh, because we've we've been together for 10 years now. We actually, we've been engaged for two, um, but with COVID, everything sort of postponed everything, and so now we're just sort of going to see what's happening at this point, so... (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then by profession, I am a licensed esthetician going on 13 years. I specialize in Brazilian sugaring. Um, And like you mentioned, I recently opened up my own salon called Lemon Sugar Bar um, during a pandemic, all while we were in lockdown. So that's been a wild and crazy ride trying to figure out, you know, sort of what the new normal looks like in salon settings these days. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so pumped that you're here because... If any of you guys have been following me on Instagram, if you listen to, I think, two podcasts ago, I've been raving about Sam, so <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. So thank you again. Um, my first question would be, how did you get into sugaring and what made you want to do it? Uh, yeah, so it's actually kind of a funny story. So I had been working at a tanning salon in high school and shortly just after graduation, Um, And it was a great little job, but I just felt like I had sort of just grown bored of it. I mean, I had a great boss and everything, but I just was sort of bored of the surroundings. I had been there a while. And so I had been looking for something new, but I wasn't sure if I was going to go to college or university or what I was going to do with my life. I was so young. So I just wanted something easy and sort of non-committal. And so on, I think Kijiji one day, this ad had popped up for um, a receptionist job at a salon. And so I thought I would apply for it. And so I did. And I I ended up getting the job. But at the interview, I had gone in and she was asking me all of these really weird questions about sugaring. And at the time, I had never even heard of sugaring. But I was like, oh, yeah, sugaring's so great. I love sugaring. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you want the job, right? And so she's asking me and whatever. And all of a sudden, she's telling me on... Monday morning, I have to bring in a model because I'm going to learn how to sugar. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do that. So, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that's honestly how I got into the industry was um, sort of by accident, complete fluke. And so she ended up training me and um, I ended, well, at first I was horrible for probably the first year. I was just really bad. <laughs> I told her all the time she should just fire me because <laughs> I was like, just bruising people left, right, and center. And then that's sort of the learning curve with it, though it takes a while to learn how to do it until you get good. And then I had worked there for a couple of, I think a year or two, um, when I realized that, you know, to do this job, you actually, like, you need to have an aesthetic diploma. So, um, you know, being so young at the time, I didn't know that I was sort of told otherwise. 
from employment, but uh, I went and I got my um, aesthetics diploma so that I could do it, you know, legally. Uh, so I did that. And um, yeah, that's sort of how I, I guess, got into the industry, got into sugaring. But I always, I mean, I, I learned to do all of the services, manicures, pedicures, facials and everything. But sugaring was just sort of always what stuck with me, what I liked. And I really liked the relationships that I formed with clients and so that's how I got into it. Long story short, <laughs> long story long, I guess. <laughs> okay. So that's actually super funny. I worked at a tanning salon for many years. Um, I worked at two different ones, um, but I tried, they tried to get me to do lashes and I was terrible. Like I'm just not good with meticulous things like that. So kudos to you for like jumping into that. I would be so scared. And it's funny too, because yesterday I got a massage and I was telling my massage therapist, I'm like, you have to go see Sam. Like, this is how obsessed Aww. I am because you're so good. So we were talking about it and she was like, imagine training for that job. Like, I'd be so scared. <laughs> <laughs> so like, when you say you were bad, like, define bad because what I've seen from you, obviously you're amazing now and you've been, you know, into this for a while, but like, what is, what does it mean to be bad? Okay. I'm going to tell you a story. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story from like probably my first, like, I think it was honestly my first or second Brazilian that they had me do like on my own with no supervision. So I had had the girl and bless her heart. She was like, brand. <laughs> she had never been sugared before. And they just sort okay. of threw me in with her. Right. And so she's like, you know, half naked on the table, getting a Brazilian. And I'm like doing pretty good. I'm kind of nervous, but I'm, you know, making it work. And so I sort of get like right to the middle and there was sort of like a part where the hair almost curled and it was a little on the longer side. Like I probably should have trimmed it a little bit. Um, but I was just thinking to myself, okay, don't screw this up. <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to do this. So I thought for sure, like I'm going to get stuck here and then she's going to be all embarrassed and I'm going to be embarrassed and it's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> so I like pump myself up. I like put down a bunch of powder so I didn't get stuck. And I like put the sugar down and I did the flick. Well, I'm not making this up. I flung the sugar. It left my hand. It hit the ceiling and it knocked part of the ceiling tile down onto her. No. <laughs> yes. Like no word of a lie. Like she was covered in dust and debris and it was like the worst day of my life. Oh and my we God. still charged her full price. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 That was like, so when I, when I say bad, I mean bad. I was bad. <laughs> oh my God. That is, that's great. That's probably like my favorite story to date right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. There's definitely a few more, but I think we're going to need like a different podcast for that. <laughs> okay. Well, I would like love to set that up. That's, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. And it's crazy too, because you're so good at what you do now. So that's inspiring because to go from that <laughs> to where you're at now, like that's amazing. Oh yeah. If I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> I feel like I couldn't, um, but you know, kudos to you for being able to. Um, Thank you. So that actually kind of leads me into my next question. I wanted to know, um, and you had mentioned that you love the connection piece. So what is the heart behind your business? Like, why do you do what you do? Um, I just, yeah, I mean, to me, like the heart behind it, I mean, there's so much to that question for me. Like I love my job for so many reasons. Um, honestly, my grandpa is a huge, um, I guess moving force with that. He passed away in 2018, but he owned so many successful businesses over the years. And he always was so proud of me and the route that I took in life. And he was always Aww. so interested in my business. And every time I would go to see him, he was always like, the first question was always like, okay, how's business? Like how much, <laughs> how much money are you making? Like, you know, like, like he was very, like he was all business and he was, but he was just so proud always. And so he is a huge part of the heart behind the business. Um, actually a really cute story um, that happened just recently was for Christmas. Um, well, so like I said, he passed away in 2018 and he was a huge part of our, like he was, you know, obviously like one of the matriarchs of our family and it was a really hard passing and sort of the first um, person, you know, really close to me that I had lost um, in a long time. And so 
anyways, he was also not only like a business person, but he was also an artist. And so um, I guess what happened was before he passed away, he had painted all of his grandchildren um, their own individual painting. Aww. And then he had put them away in a drawer uh, and then forgot to give them to us or he, or maybe he got too sick before he could give it to us or whatever. Um, but he didn't really tell my grandma about it either. So then my grandma more recently had been looking through like some old things and some old drawers and whatever, just cleaning and I guess found these paintings. And so for Christmas, we all got one. Um, and on the bottom of each painting, he had like, he wrote like a, I guess a word describing the painting for us. And so just before I opened up my shop here, um, and at Christmas time, I got this painting and at the bottom it says ambition. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it was just like the perfect timing. And it just reminded me that, you know, he's here and he's like watching and yeah, so that's a huge part of like why I'm doing this and why to me it's important to be successful at it. And yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. And I can, I can totally relate because my grandma also passed away a few years ago and she was like, we were so close. Uh, Me, her and my mom were like the three musketeers. And so that's like a huge driving force in my business. So that's, that's a really sweet story and really cool that you were able to get that, you know, even after he's no longer here on earth but you know he's present and yeah the timing is just wild with that that's really cool I know yeah the universe works in different ways hey like totally totally so um what made you kind of decide to go independent as opposed to working in salons or shops with other people because I know you had told me when I came to see you that you were working alongside other people for a long time you've also worked in like tanning salons so what made you kind of want to go independent Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that I've always just sort of thrived with more of a like one-on-one relationship. Um, The large and busy salons never really appealed to me. I always found them a little bit overwhelming and a little bit too um, chaotic. And there are just so many different personality types in a salon that to find a place where everything is really copacetic and everybody gets along, it's hard. Like a lot of salons you know, have inner drama that most clients and people coming in have no idea about. So to me, it was always, I I just preferred the smaller setting, um, which is why I work by myself now. (laughs) Um, Because to me now, I'm finally able to do that with clients. Like it's me and my client that I just love. We get to form this really, um, you know, close relationship. I'm probably almost like obsessive when it comes to my clients because I just love them so much. And I I'm so genuinely grateful that they choose me every month, you know? So um, I think that's why I went independent as opposed to continuing down the the larger salon route. Um, But yeah, I would say that's probably why. Okay. And so I have heard of this thing where salons make you sign a non-compete form. Is that true? And if it is true, can you explain a little bit about like what that even is? Okay. Yes. So a non-compete essentially is a document um, that the salon will want you to sign that tells you essentially what the rules that you must follow, um, what your employment, when your employment ends are. So um, such as like when you leave, you can't work within a certain radius of the salon or like for a certain amount of years or sometimes both. Um, And it's it's crazy. Like it's, so I was at every salon that I've worked at, I've been asked to sign a non-compete. Um, one of them even tried to have me sign a non-compete saying that I couldn't work, um, in the industry for two years, I think within five kilometers of each of their locations. And they have three locations in Winnipeg. (laughs) So that basically covers like a huge portion of the city, you know, which made it impossible to work. And so And at the time, you know, being so young, you just want the job and you, you know, you want to be able to work there. So you sign your life away. And, uh, but I mean, the thing is a lot of times these non-competes, they're so unreasonable that, I mean, they just don't hold up in court. Right. And honestly, I think that any salon that wants you to sign a non-compete, just run, like don't work there. They, they, the, the point of it is that they don't then care about you beyond what you can do for them while you're working you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, like I've always had the idea that when somebody works for you, like you 
are there to mentor them. You're there to help them grow, especially when you have apprentices and people in the industry that are just starting out. Like, why can't you help them grow and hope that one day they outgrow you to the point that they're successful and doing their own thing? You know, we don't own our employees. They are their own people and they should be doing what is best for them in their life, just as we did for ourselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, non-competes are, are completely a slap in the face and I would not ever sign another one. That is so crazy to me because... I just think there's room for everybody and the fact that they try and get you guys to sign these things and I don't know that like like you said they're they should want to be a mentor and regardless of where that person ends up like if I owned a shop and one of my employees went on to also own their own I would be so happy because I would know that I was like part of their journey part of the process maybe even like a stepping stone to get where they want to be so I just think that's super wild and I'm glad that you don't have to deal with that anymore. And that eventually when you have employees, you're not going to make them do that either. Because I just think, I don't know, that's, and to me too, I think that it just shows that they're maybe a little bit insecure or not so stable in what they're doing because I don't know, that's just, yeah, that's wild. I hadn't, I had no idea that that even existed until I did a little bit of research prior to us chatting today. And yeah, that's pretty wild. No, it is wild. And it's it's funny, too, because like a lot of times when you do end up leaving, um, you know, your your clients are obviously asking like, hey, where did so and so go? Right. And if they don't like a lot of times they just won't tell you it's, you know, oh, I don't know. They left, but I have no idea where they left. And to me, that's another thing where it's just like, you know where they went. Um, <laughs> yeah. Your client will find you because it's 2021. You know, you can, you can Facebook them, you can Instagram them, you're going to find out where they went. And I just think it looks so much worse on the salon than anything else, you know, 100%. to just not say like, Hey, they went down the street to so-and-so's whatever. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's what I, that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I would agree with you. Like my, my hairdresser has worked at several different salons and I will continue to go wherever she is. And Same with my massage therapist. Like I mentioned, I went to see her yesterday. Um, When she left the original place that I was seeing her at, they wouldn't tell me either. So I had to go like detective and look for her. And eventually, of course, I found her because it's 2021 and you're right. Everything's out there. So yeah, I can totally attest to that. And I would also, if you ever move locations, I would go. I would drive 30 minutes (laughs) if I had to. Thank you. You're so sweet. (laughs) You're so welcome. So... Um, did you always know growing up that you wanted to start your own business? Obviously you mentioned your grandpa, which is just an amazing driving force. He's all about business. So did you always kind of know, or was it something new that you discovered recently that you like wanted to open your own shop? No, I thought all these people were like crazy bananas for opening businesses because (laughs) I grew up like pretty much all the men in my life either own or owned businesses, my dad, my grandpa, cousins, uncles, like so many of the people in my life owned businesses. And I saw, you know, every day how, how stressful it was and the highs and the lows. And to me, that just seemed like so overwhelming. Like who, who would want that? That's crazy. Um, but you know, as I got older and I realized I'm such a, you know, independent person Um, it started to be more and more appealing. And, you know, I found myself, you know, getting a job and working there for a while and being happy for a while and then wanting to move up and not progressing as fast as I wanted and then not feeling appreciated and not feeling recognized and not getting the, you know, raises and this and that, right? And then I, you sort of start to um, resent the job. And when it gets to that point, you know, it's sort of just best to walk away. And you know, this started to be sort of a cycle that was happening. And at some point I'm like, I wonder if it's just me, like maybe (laughs) it's time to think about working for myself, you know, because then you're in control of those things. Um, So that's when I realized, okay, I need to, uh, to look into this. And luckily, you know, it's, it's hard to start out, but luckily I had a lot of support with my family and with Anthony, my fiance, um, he was the one that was really just like, okay, what are you waiting for? Like, do this. Like, <laughs> he's like, I don't care if I have to like, you know, foot the bills for a while until you get going, like, just do it. Like, I believe in you. So Aww. that's why I did. Oh, shout out to Anthony. It's so, it's so important to have a supportive partner because I can't imagine like, 
you know, you're already kind of, your mind is obviously going to go to what if this doesn't work or whatever. That's just natural. But to have like a supportive family, a supportive partner that makes everything so much easier. Like even for me, I feel like I was in the same boat as you, obviously not in the same field, but just finding myself not being able to work for other people. And I think that with entrepreneurs and business owners, I really do think we're a different breed. (laughs) So when you said, maybe it's just me, you know, I think that if you're meant to be a business owner, that's how it's going to be. That's kind of how you're going to find that out because otherwise, how would you know, right? Um, And so I was kind of wondering, even when I met you and you were talking about opening up your business during the pandemic, how, how would you say that affected the entire process? Because this is like quite new for you to have a location, right? Yeah. Like opening up during the pandemic. How did that? Yeah. I mean, it was, that was terrifying, right? It happened at all the wrong time. We were literally in the middle. Like I had been working, I had rented a small room in a salon close by and they were so gracious to take us in at that time because it, um, our previous salon had ended up. So, okay. I'll, I'll take it back. <laughs> sure. So I, <laughs> I was working in a salon, uh, for about five years mm-hmm. and, um, very happy there. But then unfortunately with COVID, they ended up having to close and sell. Um, and so we just didn't know who was going to end up taking over the building and if it was going to stay a salon and whatever. So we all had to find a new place. Um, so then I found another salon where my friend works as an esthetician and they've never had renters before. And so they graciously accept myself and one of my hairstylist friends, Tara, um, which was really, really nice. And so we were there, we had only been there for like I want to say a couple of months before the lockdown was announced again and we had to shut down. Right. So, um, then I was like in the middle of the lockdown, just thinking like, what the heck am I going to do here? You know, what does the long term look like? Um, and then I saw the ad for the place that I'm in now, you know, pop up and I'm like, okay, it's like the perfect price. It's the perfect size. It's the perfect location in St. James where I've always worked. Um, but it's so the wrong time. I had no income. I had nothing. And, but I just, you know, it kept coming back to like, it was just perfect. It felt meant to be, it felt like if I didn't do it, then it, I would just always regret it. And so I just bit the bullet through everything on my visa and (laughs) at some point I'll pay it back. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to get things set up here. I mean, it was like trying to get permits and things while you're in a pandemic is hard and having to go through like the incorporation process and dealing with lawyers and all of that. Um, and then when I actually opened on February 1st, I wasn't even allowed to do services yet because we were still locked down. Um, so I came in every day and I just, you know, did my social media stuff and I would sell some products for those clients who would come in for, you know, bath bombs and some of my products. Uh, and then finally a few weeks later, I was able to, to open. So I guess it's been about a solid month of doing services now. And, you know, honestly, that part of it's been great. Like, um, everybody's taken a really positive interest in the business and people from the area have been really curious. And I always see like the little old ladies walking by, <laughs> like peering in and like, what's that place? So yeah, <laughs> that young little whippersnapper in there, what's she doing? <laughs> I love the little old lady voice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's my best impression. Um, so yeah, it's, it honestly, it's all been really good. That's amazing. And I'm like just so inspired by you because I truly think that there's never going to be a perfect time to start your business or make that jump to chase your dreams, whatever that might look like for whoever. Um, But obviously with the pandemic, like it just makes it even more, you know, not ideal, but obviously you're doing well. And I love, I love that story because yeah, it just, it just shows people that there's never a right time and you can kind of make make it the right time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, because when I walked into your shop, it was so clean. Everything looks so cute. So I wanted to know, like, how how important is it to you to make sure that your environment is clean, that it's aesthetically pleasing? Like, how how important is that to you when running your business? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I like the minute the client walks in the door, I want them to feel like they are at home, like they are comfortable and mostly that they feel like they can trust me. Um, 
given the services that I offer, especially like specializing in Brazilians, it's a very intimate service. And so I feel like, um, you know, clients get very personal with you and they tell you sort of the, the inner workings of their lives and, and things that a lot of times they don't even tell their best friends, you know? And so um, that's the most important thing to me. And it's such a huge compliment. And I think I posted a few weeks ago, um, just saying like, hey, have you ever cried in my treatment room? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> to me, like when somebody's, you know, talking and they, they get to the point where they're crying, like, I mean, obviously, like, I, I don't love to see people crying, but to me, it's like, wow, you really trusted me enough to tell me that. And I'm just so, like, blown away by that. Um, so that's that's what's really most important to me. And then, yes, of course, like, sanitation and disinfection, like, it's huge. You know, for for me personally, I book an extra 10 minutes between each and every client so that I can completely, like, sterilize and disinfect everything that's been touched um, which is another reason sort of why the larger salons, um, you know, aren't really my vibe because you don't know what the other people are doing. You don't know how seriously they're taking sanitation and disinfection. And I'm sure, you know, everybody's doing their part right now and everybody's doing really good. But I like to be accountable for me and my client. So that's really important. And yeah, I just like clients to feel like the minute that they walk in, even though they're strangers, by the time they leave, they're friends. Totally. And I totally got that vibe. Like, First thing I noticed, it was super clean. Second thing was that you were so friendly. We had a connection. Like when I left, I was like, oh, I feel like I've known Sam for like two years, <laughs> you know, and same. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was just really awesome. And I think that's I think that's what sets you apart from most people in your field, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, like I have seen a lot of other really lovely people as well, but I feel like you just go above and beyond with all of that. And so that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about. So obviously I have a lot to say about this, but I want to know what you think about what you bring to the industry that doesn't already exist. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I had to think about that one for a while um, when you first asked me. And yeah, I, honestly, I think it's just, I think I bring a lot of support um, to other people in the industry, which is not always the case, you know, from salon to salon. Um, there's a lot of toxicity and there's lots of seeing other estheticians as, you know, just your competitors and you're always wanting to one up there, you know, what they've done. And to me, like there's room for all of us. So, you know, it doesn't need to be a, I need to beat you. I need to beat you down. Um, and, you know, I actually got a really nice message that, like a few weeks ago from, somebody else in the industry it was just totally out of nowhere and she was just like hey like just so you know I'm I'm so proud of you and you know for what you're doing and thank you so much for um, inspiring me to do what I want to do and there's so much negativity in the industry and um, like she just she just gave me a really really flattering message like that and it made me feel really good because that's what I want I just want essentially I just want us all to get along <laughs> and be friends <laughs> love and peace and harmony and all that so I think that's what I try to bring is just you know unity in in the field so and you definitely do and I think the reason you're able to do that so well is because you're just so confident in who you are as a person and then also what you bring to the table professionally so I think that's really really cool and that's also how I feel as well like i I definitely have some friends who are doing similar things as me and I'm always more than happy to help and I'm always grateful when they give me pointers and I just think yeah like what like we said already there's room for everybody and at the end of the day like no one is you so even if someone is doing the exact same thing as you even if they open a shop that looks like yours at the end of the day they're not Sam and I think you know that and so that's why you're able to like offer that support to your community which is really amazing. Um, and speaking of that, I wanted to know what are a couple of brands in your industry that you love and why? Like, are, is there anybody that's doing it in a way that you really admire that inspires you? Like, who do you love in the industry? Uh, yeah, well, there's one girl in particular that I have been following for a while and I just find her to be, uh, so her name is Linda. She is, she runs the beauty house. She's a lash artist. She's lovely. Um, but she is like super supportive of, you know, women in the industry. She always wants to uplift. Um, she, what I like about her social media, especially is that she's very, she shows a lot of gratitude for her clients and the people that come to see her. And um, 
you know, it's, and that's so important to me because yeah, your clients are everything. You would have nothing without them. You wouldn't have a business without them. And so I really love that she takes the time out of, you know, many of her days to really show them like, Hey, thank you for coming to see me. And I appreciate what you're doing. And yeah, just very supportive. So that's the kind of social media that I like to follow is just very um, uplifting and positive. So yeah, shout out to Linda at the beauty house for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely have to check her out because those are also the types of brands that I love to follow. And speaking of other brands in the industry, I wanted to, I guess, segue into talking about all of this drama that's going on in Winnipeg right now, specifically in the sugaring and brow industry. Um, And I wanted to touch on something you said about um, basically community over competition. So we're not going to say any names at all, but I did see a post, I think maybe within the last couple of months or so. And there was a person who owns a beauty company as well, and they made this really long post about how they um, how they saw someone who was close to them in their life as competition. And basically, they burned that bridge because they just weren't confident in what they were doing and whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about, Sam? I don't know if I do. Okay, well... Anyway, so this person made this basically long apology post publicly, which is why I'm speaking on it. And then the person they were apologizing to basically came out with all of these screenshots (laughs) and things to kind of show that maybe this person wasn't so genuine um, and mentioned how this person had fired them from the job because they saw this person as a competition. So (laughs) I guess my question would just be like, have you witnessed kind of any of that sort of very competitive um, nature like in the salons that you've worked in and did you see it kind of as a motivator or were you kind of like, oh, this is toxic? Like how how was your experience with that? No, you know what? It's not um, it's not a motivator at all. I have I have witnessed it time and time and time again. Um, even personally, you know, one of the one of the positions that I was working at, I can recall a time when we had had like there was sort of weekly meetings that we would have with um, our manager. And this was sort of closer to, you know, the end of times when I was already sort of thinking I was going to start my own business and do my own thing anyway. But um, I remember sitting down with her and she there was myself and another esthetician who was like super talented, really great at sugaring. Um, who was also, you know, a friend of mine. And um, I remember the manager saying to me, like, well, you know, Sam, last week, your client retention rate was only, you know, 93%. And so that means like the clients that saw you last month or whatever, um, only 93% of them came to see you this month. Only? That's a big number. (laughs) Right. Which is how I felt. And my number, you know, was much higher even than some of the other people in the salon. So I felt like I was doing okay. But she would say, but, you know, so-and-so's client retention number was 95%. And so you're really going to have to get your number up. Otherwise, we're going to have to discuss your future here. And it kept on being like, otherwise, we're going to have to talk about your future. And otherwise, we're going to have to discuss what's next. And there was always like a reprimand for not being as good as the next person. Um, You know, so that was really tough because that's exactly what creates uh, drama or toxicity in the salon is because like you can be best friends with somebody, but if you get pitted against each other, that creates a lot of friction. Um, so I've seen a lot of that and it's not okay. It's really not okay. I was just going to ask because like, I can imagine that causing so much friction in a workplace, even like, I don't know, sometimes at workplaces they have like a leaderboard or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I feel about that because even back when I was a teacher, I didn't really like to have it on display for all my kids to see because, I mean, obviously for some kids it is a motivator and it's, they're very competitive, but uh, on the flip side, a lot of kids don't like to see that they're behind or for some people, you know, it just creates a lot of friction. So I can imagine like as adults in this workplace, like that's just, it seems like a very toxic environment. But do you think that there's like, any kind of room or opportunity for friendly competition? Or do you think that overall just kind of mind your own business, do your own thing? What do you think about that? 
I mean, I think it would really depend. Like friendly competition in a salon environment is a really dicey game because it can go from friendly to not friendly very quickly. Totally. Um, I personally would just sort of stay away from it. But I mean, at the same time, like I think it's more about offering certain incentives and not to say that you have to, you know, every time your employee does well, you have to necessarily give them a raise or whatever. There are different ways to incentivize and also just paying compliments like, hey, you did that. You had a really great week last week. You did 93% of your clients, you know, were retained and like, let's continue getting that number up. You know what I mean? Like there are different ways you can word things. And uh, yeah, unfortunately that just was a very regular occurrence. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. Um, And another thing I wanted to touch on. So for those of you who might be unaware Um, lately in Winnipeg, there have been different pages on Instagram called not my blank insert company name here. So we've seen this with not my Stella's. If you guys are familiar, um, if you're not familiar, Stella's is like a local restaurant here. And basically there was a page called not my Stella's where everyone was speaking out about just like very toxic work, um, environments, I guess. And everyone basically boycotted Stella's and there's a Stella's in my area that actually closed down after that. So right now there's, or I guess one of them was taken down, but there's some pages saying not my blank. um, And there are pages about these beauty companies in Winnipeg. So um, it's basically these pages being put on blast by former employees. And like I mentioned, one of the pages has since been taken down, but I do still have some screenshots and things I wanted to talk about. So I know you mentioned to me you've actually worked for some of these companies that are basically being put on blast right now. So do you want to explain a little bit about what's going on for people who might not know? Uh, Yeah, for sure. It's actually kind of funny. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's funny, but the last two salons that I've worked at actually have been have had the not my accounts made for them. So maybe that's a big part of the reason why I went to working for myself. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, basically what's going on right now in the industry is that people are just, you know, holding salons accountable at this point. You know, this has been going on for years and it's getting to a point where it's just, you know, the toxicity is happening and the drama is happening, but it's just sort of being swept under the rug as, you know, it's just part of the job or it's just part of the position. Um, But, you know, enough is enough. And when the whole not my Stella's account happened, I think it really brought to light a lot of really serious issues that need to be addressed. Um, And these conversations are super important. So I'm glad that they're happening um, as long as, you know, real changes are are being made. So, yeah. um, Yeah, I think that, you know, now's the time to to be talking about it and not to back down. For sure. And I wanted to touch on something you said about how it's important that these businesses are being held accountable because I think there's such a big thing right now with cancel culture and how everyone kind of hops on that bandwagon. And then shortly after that, everyone was like, wait, cancel culture is toxic and this and that. But I think there's a fine line between cancel culture where you're not giving someone grace to make mistakes and you're basically trying to shut them down as soon as they say something wrong versus holding somebody accountable because in my experience, and obviously I'm a content creator, I put myself out there. So I am very, very careful what I say on social media, especially when it comes to anything that's kind of heated. Um, For example, when, and I mean, this is always important and I'll always speak on it, but especially this past summer with Black Lives Matter, I was very careful and very just meticulous with what I was posting because I didn't want to post false information. So I always, always did my research. And So far, honestly, nobody has called me out for being politically incorrect or like saying something offensive. And if they did, I would be glad. I would just hope that it's not, you know, in a way that I should be canceled because I think as humans, like, you know, we deserve we deserve to make mistakes, learn from them and be better moving forward. But I do think that, yeah, like accountability is very important. And obviously with all of these posts floating around, it's clear that, Um, these people are not making a mistake and doing better moving forward. They're continuing to treat employees really badly. So I wanted to touch on one that really disturbed me. I mean, obviously all of them are terrible, Um, but there were a few that really irked me. 
for personal reasons, I guess. But one was a screenshot um, of a post one of these companies made. I think this was actually one that you worked at. I'm not sure. Um, and in the caption, they were speaking on diversity. But every person in that photo was a white cisgendered woman <laughs> from the looks of it. Um, and I know what it's like to be the only colored person in a room. I know what it's like to work at a workplace where there isn't much diversity and I'm kind of othered. So how did that post make you feel? And as someone who will potentially be hiring employees in the future, um, how important is diversity for you? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, yeah, that's such a terrible feeling. And yeah, like you say, like as somebody who hopes to one day hire employees, I mean, I just want the best person for the job. I want the person who is the most experienced, the most skilled, has the biggest passion for the industry, um, the most trainable. To think that that would have anything, if to think that somebody could do that job better or worse based on skin color is so beyond me. I just want the person who wants to be there, who wants to thrive. And so, yeah, I mean, diversity is, is hugely important. And, you know, to see some of these posts too, where it was like, you know, they got called out for lack of diversity. And then you see that they're scrambling. They're saying that they're scrambling, you know, trying to find, I think one of them was like looking for, you know, we don't have any indigenous. And so we need to hire an indigenous. And it's like, well, sure. Yes. Hire an indigenous person, but not only because you're being, you know, backed against a wall, like that is not the way to do this because chances are then you'll hire that person and then just treat them like garbage. 100%. Right. So, um, you know, do it for the right reasons. And that's all I can say about that. It, yeah, it was, it was very disappointing. Yeah. And even for me, like as someone who runs my own business, whenever, whenever I'm organizing a photo shoot for a company, I am always trying to find diverse groups of people, whether that's age, body type, skin color, gender, whatever. Like, I have a unique opportunity, I think, that when I get to organize these photo shoots that I get to choose people who are diverse because I think imagery and seeing people who look like you in the media is so important. And then as a business, like if you're, I don't know, for me, like if I made a mistake and I don't know, let's say I had a photo shoot that wasn't diverse, if someone called me out, I would literally be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Moving forward, I'm going to do a much better job. Like, again, it's just like learning from your mistakes and especially like, I don't know, just as a white person, a white business owner, I think like, you know, you have even more of a voice because you do have that privilege. And so like for that page to then not even address it, I just thought it was really offending, you know, because I don't know. And also like we live in Winnipeg, so there's a lot of diversity here. Yes. So yeah. And no, sorry. go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's exactly what's happening right now. I think a lot of people are really watching these accounts to see how they react, to see what they're doing. And when you see the lack of response, that's a, that speaks volumes to me. You know, it's there was a, there was an opportunity for you to, you know, have that aha moment and, you know, learn from it and educate yourself and educate your staff and accept it and own it and you know, do better in the future. There was that opportunity, but to now see just silence. And I'm not just talking about one specific account. I'm talking all of these ones that have popped up. Recently. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's really disheartening because that just tells me like, you know, do you want to do better here? Um, and I think that that's like, you know, the, the former clients and the former employees, everybody's watching and everybody's seeing this. So um, I, I hope that there's still hope for them to to educate and move on. But I, yeah, I we just sort of have to wait and see. So do you know, like, if any of these companies have posted a statement? Like, I haven't followed up so far. Um, but from what I've seen, like, as of a couple of days ago, they hadn't said anything. So do you know if they've even addressed it or they've just kind of gone silent? Um, I know one of the accounts was taken down. Right. Uh, so it it no longer exists. Um, the other one, I believe there was a posting of, I don't think they were the ones that posted it, but I think there was a screenshot posted of um, the investigation, the findings of their investigation from HR. And it looks as though essentially nothing is going to be changing other than, you know, increased weekly meetings, which, you know, the weekly meetings were not beneficial to begin with. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what that's going to change, but um yeah, I, it's, it is, it's disappointing. That is, you know, we, 
in Winnipeg, we, we need our small businesses and we want our small businesses and that's, you know, what we sort of thrive on. And so, you know, when you see things like this happening, that's, that's what hurts, you know? Totally. And I wanted to actually talk about another post that stood out to me. So this, I guess, doesn't really have anything to do with diversity, but you and I had talked about on this episode the importance of having a very clean space. So one post that really stood out to me was where a former employee of an eyebrow microblading business was saying that they were using a numbing cream that didn't have a drug identification number, so it technically wasn't even allowed for use in Canada. Um, that person also went on to say they had to hide that product from health inspectors when they came in. And there was, I think, I don't think it was on the same post, but there was another post basically saying that, um, they sometimes use needle cartridges with no membrane. So blood could backflow into the machine. They said that they only switched it when artists brought this up as a concern. So if a needle cartridge doesn't have a membrane, there's a huge risk for cross-contamination. So I guess I kind of have two questions along with that then. So number one, like how important is it to you that you're only using products and ingredients that are FDA approved? And then also how important is it to you to make sure that everything that you're using has been sterilized? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) duh. (laughs) Right? Literally. I'm like, wait, I didn't think that was like hard to grasp, but. No. And and it's crazy that we even have to have that conversation because of course, that's what you need to be doing. Of course, you need to be complying. And first off, I mean, not that this is even, you know, the main reason why you should be complying. But if anything goes wrong, your insurance is not going to cover you in any capacity if these are the products that you're using. Um, I mean, obviously, like I say, that's not the reason why you should be doing it. But that's huge. I mean, you're going to be out of pocket for a lot of money um, if anything goes wrong. But also it's so dangerous. Like you're, you're talking like making somebody potentially seriously ill or even like death, depending on what you're doing. Oh my goodness. Um, I, well, I mean, yeah, like if there's backflow in the pens, that can be potentially like bloodborne pathogens. That's not okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's hugely, hugely important, um, especially when you're doing something like, you know, permanent makeup where you're dealing with actually like going into somebody's skin um, yeah, that, that frightened me. That actually frightened me. Totally. And so I don't know, I mean, you probably know a little bit about this, but like, why, why would they even do that? Like, is it more expensive to do things in a safe manner or like, why would they be cutting corners like that? Yeah. I mean, it's always more expensive to do things the right way. You know, it's always, it's always going to be more expensive to have, you know, the product with the drug ID number than the one that you can get shipped in from China for, you know, pennies on the dollar, of course. So yeah, to save a little bit of money, but you know, when you have businesses that are doing this, that, you know, from their own mouths say, you know, we've built these million dollar businesses. That's, I mean, then why are you cutting? That was my exact, you know, if you, yeah, (laughs) if you have all this money, then why, why are you cutting the corners? So it's interesting too. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it's interesting too because so my boyfriend and I lately have been super into Dragon's Den. (laughs) And (laughs) so if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's basically like Shark Tank, but the Canadian version, I think. And one of the people who owns one of these businesses was on there. (laughs) And I was just like, how like yeah like you said if you have all this money like why are you cutting corners I would be so scared to like harm somebody even when I was a server I remember a couple of times when someone would tell me they have an allergy I would be like okay guys we have to make sure like you know I'd be so scared because I don't know I just don't want to harm anybody and especially like being the face of your business like you would think that you would I don't know just want to be as safe as possible so I thought that was really disturbing. And also like I've, I've gotten microblading done um, a long time ago at a different salon and they were great. But to think that that could be a possibility if I had went somewhere else, you know, like that's, that's very scary. Um, and another thing I kind of wanted to talk about, I've already touched on this about how like I'm a content creator, or influencer, whatever you want to call me. Um, I just mentioned how it's very important to do my research before I speak on anything. But 
there was a post on this page that's since been taken down um, from a former employee who said, and I think you touched on this as well, but the owner had said that she forgot to post, or I guess she was blaming her employees for not reminding her to post on Indigenous Day. And so she openly blamed the staff for forgetting and told a client the next day that people don't understand the pressure of being an influencer and that it is so hard. And after that, (laughs) she said that they have to hire an Indigenous person, which is what you touched on. So, okay, I'm going to actually speak on this first because as an influencer or whatever you want to call me, I don't like to call myself that, but I guess it is what it is. I just think... I mean, okay, obviously there's going to come a time where I mess up and I say something that maybe isn't politically correct or I say something maybe without thinking. I already know there's going to be a time when that happens. And of course, I'll learn and do better for next time whenever it does. But like, I don't think it's that hard. Like, if I'm ever heated about something, I know that I probably shouldn't make a story unless I really think about it. And there's been times where I've recorded one. And I show Glenn, my boyfriend, and he's like, do not post that because (laughs) like you just seem really whatever. Okay, so I've been there and I I don't know. I just think it's really not that hard. And also, like, if it is that hard, then maybe you're putting on this persona online that you have to live up to. Like for me, I'm just who I am. What you hear on the podcast is how I talk in real life. What you see on Instagram is how I look. I post videos all the time of me without makeup on and I don't know. I just think like if you find it so hard, then maybe like it isn't the right field for you. And so I kind of wanted to know from your perspective, obviously you're a business owner, you're running your own Instagram, I believe. So like, what is your opinion on that? Do you feel a lot of pressure to be very politically correct all the time? Or do you just kind of feel like you're being true to who you are? So it's not. And I mean, like, obviously there's no right or wrong answer because I can see I can see certain aspects of it being hard. Like there's certain things for me too that are a little bit hard, but not like, <laughs> I don't know. So what, what is your opinion on that? How do you feel? Um, well, I mean, yeah. So I guess sort of touching on that specific situation first. Um, I mean, that's not something, first of all, that's not something that you can blame on your staff. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like if she is in charge of her social media, which I doubt she even is in charge of her own social media because I mean, she's a busy woman, right. you know what I mean? So I, but <clears throat> if she is in charge of her own social media, that's her own thing. You need to be on the ball enough to, you know, have these things planned out ahead of time and know what you're posting. And there's a part of it that almost seems like, I don't know if it was intentionally left out or what, but that's, it's not something that you can blame on the people working for you. So I don't like that part of it for sure. And I, you know, I do think that is it's important to touch on those, you know, certain subjects when important issues come up. I think that you do need to address it. Um, yeah, I think that it's it's a necessary conversation a lot of times, especially, you know, with the Black Life, Black Life Matter movement and especially now with these Asian hate crimes. Um, yeah, I think that it's really, really necessary to talk about those things. And um, yeah, you know, have your your research and know exactly what's going on before you post and try not to post anything that's not untrue or that is untrue. Um, And yeah, I mean, at some point, like you say, you will post something that's not correct or uh, maybe not politically correct or maybe just the information is not correct. Um, But I think that that's the thing of just, okay, I've learned my lesson here. Let's let's educate ourselves and let's do better the next time. Totally. And something else I wanted to touch on that you said um, about how she probably doesn't manage her own social media. I still think as a business owner, you should still know what's going on on the social media side. Like, because I am a social media manager and I handle a lot for my clients, I try my best to make sure that I'm touching on certain things. Like, for example, um, International Women's Day just passed and I had a client who... I had a different post scheduled for that day, but I quickly texted her um, a couple of days before and I was like, oh, I forgot, you know, this day is this. So do we want to do um, kind of like a themed post for that? And I just think, I don't know, like at the end of the day, as a business owner, it is up to you to be on the same page with your social media manager and make sure that these things are coming out. Like, of course, you want to make sure that you're hiring someone who cares about these things as well and, you know, make that clear when you're onboarding that person. So I don't know. I think like, 
to say that she's just so far removed, not you, but just in general from that post, I think is a little weird because if you're the CEO of your company, you should know (laughs) what's going on at the micro level, um, especially just being based out of Winnipeg. And I have no doubt that she's super busy, but again, like we just live in this world now that you have to be very aware and you just have to do your research. So when it comes to you and your social media, do you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you to also do that? Or do you just kind of feel like it just comes naturally? Like, I don't know. Do you feel, yeah. Do you feel pressured when it comes to that kind of stuff? Um, you know what? I am so new to like actually caring about my <laughs> social media. Like before I opened this business, I maybe posted like a couple of posts in a few months span. I really wasn't, you know, so I'm learning. And now that I'm sort of getting into it a little bit more, I wouldn't say I feel pressured. I don't feel like I have the audience that's looking for me to post about all of the major issues going on. I feel like my my clients are looking for me to post about, you know, what's relevant to the business. But that said, I do try to, you know, when important topics come up, I do try to address it because I do think that the more people that are talking about it, the better it is for everybody. Totally. Um, so, yes. And, and I apologize if I sort of worded it wrong when I was talking about the previous. I don't I certainly am not trying to um, excuse. Oh, her no, no. The fact that she <laughs> no, like, but I, I do want to clarify that because, no, I I just meant that, you know, she is. She can't be blaming other people for her own, you know, fallbacks for her own thing. And so, yeah, I I mean, I know that she's busy and I know that she uh, probably was not the one who who either posted or didn't post regarding something. But uh, like you say, you do have to be aligned with even if she does have somebody doing her social media, you have to know what's going on. And that's totally. Yeah. And yeah, I totally didn't mean you, by the way, (laughs) when I said that she was (laughs) (laughs) excusing. But yeah, um, I just kind of feel like sometimes very big business owners are kind of like, oh, well, I'm doing so much. I don't know, you know, what's going on. And I don't know, for me as like a new business owner and I'm slowly growing my business and, you know, about to take on a couple people on my team. So like for me, that would be just so important. Um, Okay. And then the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on. So, and I guess we've kind of touched on this throughout the whole episode so far, but Like I said, in my opinion, people make mistakes for sure. And even for me, like I'm not going to sit here and say that I've always been so um, politically correct, you know, growing up Um, in my last few years of university, actually, after after having taken a lot of Indigenous courses, I learned so much about Indigenous history. And I was actually like, I was really sad that I didn't know a lot of this information earlier. And I understand that people are all learning and growing right now, but obviously to make excuses isn't cool. So what would you say is kind of like a good way to incorporate these important issues into your business social media? Because like you said, people are coming to your page for information about sugaring and what you have to offer. So what would you say is like a good way for business owners to kind of touch on these things without becoming this like, I don't know, super political page like what what would be a good kind of balance in your opinion well I mean you know I don't think that it has to be a thing where all of a sudden your page is just solely you know these world topics huge topics but you know it like you say it is important to talk about these things and so you know have your normal posts and have your you know everyday things that you're posting but make sure that you are you know, putting them in there and, and, you know, talking about them as well, because we all need to be talking about it. You know, there are so many things coming up right now where it's just at a make or break situation. And, um, you know, it doesn't, like I say, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to turn you into a completely political page, but um, the things need to be talked about. For sure. I would definitely agree with you on that. And with that, that's pretty much all I kind of had for today. So thank you so much for being on the show, for providing your insight, and then also for being the best sugaring lady I have ever met. (laughs) Um, By (laughs) the way, I'm just going to plug this. If you guys would like to go see Sam, if you live in Winnipeg, go see her. Tell her I sent you. You'll get 50% off your first service, and I promise you will not regret it. So that's kind of it for today's episode. If you guys would like to follow me on Instagram, you can hit me up at Taylor Francisco. So that's at T A Y 
L-E-R-F-R-A-N-C-I-S-C-O. There is also a page for the Tiny Moments Podcast. That's just at Tiny Moments Podcast on Instagram. And Sam, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Well, you can find me on Instagram at at Lemon Sugar Bar. And that's (laughs) perfect. (laughs) We have a Facebook page too. Same thing. Okay, perfect. I'll have all of that linked in the description as well. If you guys want to go check her out, I highly suggest you do. So yeah, thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show. If you guys want to tune in next week, we upload every single Monday at 7am Central Time. Thanks, Sam. Thank you.